0: Dave, we are a podcast about music for musicians and for people that really understand the power and value that music can bring into people's lives. The last few months, however, have been particularly challenging for musicians and people that work in and around music. And so today we're very proud to
1: show our support for a fantastic charity doing some brilliant work in this area here in the UK. That's all right, John. Um, Help Musicians are an amazing charity who offer a wide range of services and support for those based in the UK this includes work with creative programs support with health and well-being name but a few so for those who love music want to support the industry and help see it grow please visit www.helpmusicians.org.uk love music help musicians now let's get on with the show
0: Hello, welcome to the Punk Rock Academy podcast. I'm John, he's Dave. Um, Sorry, Dave, I thought I'd just introduce you.
1: (laughs) Thank you, John. Very kind of you. Very kind.
0: Dave, um, there's a couple of uh, emotions I imagine you're you're going through at the moment. One is the excitement of the interview that we've just had. The second is, uh, and I'm sorry to out you for the first time on this podcast, but Dave is a big West Ham fan we're talking to you, we're recording this um, hours before West Ham kick off their first leg of the Europa League uh-huh. final. So by the time this podcast comes out, Dave, you're going to be sort of delirious,
1: confident or dejected and miserable, right? One of them. Um, I, I'm, I'm hoping that the former, uh, but who knows? It's West Ham. You never know with, with West Ham. Let's move away from your sort of laddish pastimes. Um, Green Street Elite.
0: <laughs> this is for another podcast, but good luck, the, the Hammers. Um, we have just spoken to Robin, Robin Gatt, who is now uh, in Petrol Girls, the, the sort of force that is Petrol Girls, um, but uh, is also the brains behind Personal Best and also was in Bedford Falls, uh, for a bit and um, we talked with Robin about um, many things it's a great chat um, but one of the things we discuss is this dynamic of joining a band that already exists uh, and as we discussed before Dave the dynamic of bands is a really unique and interesting one um, have you ever done it what's your experience been of joining a band
1: I've attempted twice to join bands but I've never liked it um it's just a weird feeling. I like to start something from, from fresh and you know, an organic um, process where you know we all we all come together to create something on a, on a shared vision, as opposed to joining an already established friendship dynamic sort of group where you're trying to kind of prove yourself to people who already know each other really well. And I found it really a bit of a strange concept, a bit alien. So I'm more of a fan of like you know, starting the process as opposed to. No, joining midway through
0: maybe no one has has anyone actually asked you Dave let's be honest but uh,
1: anyway but it's true Uh, all those
0: little in jokes and stuff it must be difficult I've done it well I did it once I was in a band called earth die screaming uh which we released one seven inch which is actually really good um but I joined that with my best friends uh and also uh someone I lived with who was a, a really good friend of mine so it was a bit different um but I remember, I remember one time recently, um, some friends were got together to write some songs and asked if I'd join. And it was not long after I had a kid and I was in the practice room and this, this good friend of mine was trying to teach me this guitar line. And I was just so knackered and very quickly realised um, my limited talent. And after a couple of hours of just, you know, trying to play this other piece of, Use it someone had written. I just sort of said to him, "Look, I think, I think this isn't. This is not for me." So I think I'm in the same boat as you. I think it takes a brave, a brave person to kind of yeah, imprint their personality on the dynamic of a band, which obviously Robin is. So we will, uh, we'll hear from uh, from them about what that means and what that's been like. Uh, let's go to the chat.
2: Hello. Hey. It's
0: hey. it's it very nice to see you. Let's, I mean, there's, I think let's start at the let's start at the end, and then we'll kind of make our way. To the beginning, but the big news is, of course, um, you are now in petrol girls. Mm. Petrol girls have got uh, a new album on the way, a couple of singles. I had no idea because I remember seeing some post, and I just thought, I've missed, I've completely missed out on um seeing any update on this. So I'm really behind on these things. So, what uh what was the story? How did you how have you ended up in Petrol Girls? Um, it
2: all kind of was off the back of the tour that we did right before the pandemic uh, like literally i think that finished february 2020 and then obviously march was full lockdown so um, yeah we just got back from europe um, i i i've known them all for years and just have had loads to do with friends of joe like any time that i've played over in austria i've hung out with them just like you know just like your punk friends that you see in that sort of context um and yeah they just they asked me to to come on that tour with them to play bass uh clearly it went really well (laughs) um we had those fun all got on really well um and then they invited me back to write the bass lines for the new album so yeah we had a year or so jamming through that and then we recorded it last summer yeah i i it felt like a real honor like petrol girls are one of those bands for me i would always watch them just be like very much blown away and like um, just they've just always been brilliant kind of band that's like, wow, I wonder what it would be like to play with those. And um, yeah, I don't want to get too gushy about it. But yeah, it re- re- feels like a, like a real honour that they would choose that they would choose me to, to play with them. And yeah, that's basically the story. And then when it came to the album recording, yeah, I guess we've got to tour it now. So <laughs> that's how I ended up where I
0: am. I was going to ask actually how much creative license did you get because obviously joining an existing band is a different Mm. dynamic to being part of the setup itself there's obviously um a style perhaps and and a particular sort of uh vision that the band's maybe already got so how how i mean your friends with them already Mm. they asked you to to actually write the bass line so you've got quite a bit of creative license on this album and and you can contribute to the songs in your own way can you
2: yeah so i'm not really in the in at the point of sort of like taking or like any ideas or baselines I've written to, to the band is like, I, I think if we lived in the same country, maybe that maybe that would be a thing and we practiced regularly and I said, hey, here's a cool thing I've written. it was very much like they were fleshing out the bones of, of, of a lot of songs, sending over the ideas to me and any updates and all that sort of stuff. And then I was jamming along to them, sending ideas back, so, yeah, it was very much a back and forth. But, yeah, in terms of bringing myself to an existing band and an existing dynamic, because they've been together a very long time, I guess um, as soon as I stopped trying to, like, think oh, what, what would what would, like, make it Petrol Girls and what would Petrol Girls want as a concept and just think, what do I actually want to play? What is actually my style? It kind of fit into place a lot more. And I think generally with the direction that this album has gone in, it's it's more, it's got more like of a groove. I would say it's less sort of techy than some of their older stuff, less metal, I think, as well. It's got just like a lot of sort of groovy post punk, like repetition, um, kind of vibe to it. And so yeah, I just thought what is the most fun thing that I can play? And that's what I'm gonna do. And I just trust that they have asked me to, to write. These baselines because they like what I do, so that's that's all I can do really. Um, but yeah, it is it, it, a hard mindset to get yourself out of when you when you think, oh my god, they must have all these expectations, and what if they hate it? But you know, you just got to be a grown up about it and <laughs> take criticism if you, if you need to, basically. But yeah, no, it, it all seems to, to come together quite well, and yeah, the, the moment when we were all in the studio together on the sort of setting up day was the first time we were actually playing that stuff live together which is wild so yeah a bit of time in the studio to iron out some stuff but yeah i just kind of went in as prepared as i could possibly be um and it all seemed to come together really nice the new album is amazing really proud of it
0: amazing and it's out in june Hmm. is that right
2: june yeah i want to say mid June yeah <laughs> okay. uh, yeah
1: I've, I've got a 24th of June out here
2: oh okay I want to <laughs> say late the June ball. then <laughs> you know what it's it's that thing where it's like it's uh, being like the basis being like the sort of the new member I don't have to worry about any of that stuff it's really nice when it's personal best stuff I'm I'm like super stressed I hate doing all the admin and all that sort of stuff but um it's nice just to Most of my role is turn up and play, which is a dream come true, really.
0: Amazing. Have you guys played any? Have you played live at all with them?
2: Yeah. So March. Apart from that tour, obviously. uh, Yeah. So 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 there was the tour in March 2020, uh, February 2020. Then lockdown, and then the the last time that or the first time post pandemic. Well, not that the pandemic's really over, but. Um, that we played together was, yeah, March, when we we did three dates and then the rest got cancelled. <laughs> um, which I think is going to be uh, probably the story of a lot of gigs over the next few years, unfortunately.
1: So what are the plans, obviously, going forward um, with touring? Then, obviously, you've got uh, your know, you new release coming out. Uh, you've got any dates in the, in the diary at the moment? Or
2: Yeah, they're doing a bunch of um, European festivals. So I know they're doing Fluff Fest. We've got um a big sort of open air festival thing in Mannheim. There's also a um, there's like another mainland bassist that plays with them as well called Ursi, who's really awesome because I can't make a hundred percent of the of the dates because I don't have enough leave in my in my calendar at work to be able to do that and have time to rest as well. So yeah. So um yeah, she's doing a bunch of those summer festival gigs. Oh, 2000 trees we're doing as well, which is Always good fun, and then rescheduled, cancelled gigs <laughs> as well, um, and then towards. I, I mean, some of the stuff hasn't been announced yet, but yeah, I don't think it would be a huge surprise to know that there's a big European tour in the works this year as well to promote yeah. the album. And
1: any exclusives?
2: Uh, I couldn't possibly give any exclusives. Am <laughs> I, I getting trouble? Am <laughs> I getting trouble? We don't
0: want you to get if kicked it's... out the band before you've even started.
2: Here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There is a really, 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 really exciting gig this summer, but I like really can't say anything.
0: Well, what can you I want to talk. Yeah. You talk you've talked about the, this dynamic of coming into the band, but I want to talk about the, the politics because you can't really mention Petrol Girls without maybe talking a bit about the politics, which is you know part of part of their um, part of their you know off, offer, I guess, and their US, mm. um, and it's a, a fantastic part of, of what they do. Um, how i mean yeah. the, the, the music is, is ferocious the, the message is obviously um front and center of a lot of the songs it seems like the the, the new stuff um treads on that sort of trodden path pretty well i mean, I mean personal best had some of that from a more personal perspective yeah, um, yeah yeah what what's been i mean your impression of the reaction because you know we've talked about this with some other people we're living you know the last two years um maybe slightly longer um certainly since we last seen each other politically socially has become just incredibly uh you know sort of divided we've got more um noise around sort of political persuasions and mm. uh, and, and and everything that, that kind of comes along with that what's been your impression coming into the band um of how that's kind of received but positively and negatively because i'm sure there's a bit of both
2: um yeah i think like feel like the the album deals with a lot of like I know what you're saying things feel very like tense at the moment right like uh, pandemic stuff real just divisions across the country um just everything really feels like it's going to shit very quickly and yeah a lot of tension in the air I think that the album deals with a lot of that stuff but also the personal political as well which I think you know you can't really you can't really separate the two in a lot of in a lot of ways so um by by your question do you mean what is it like coming into a political band or have have you
0: have you experienced since since being in in um in petrol girls have you experienced any sort of negative reaction to the quite outspoken politics that the band um obviously talks and sings about
2: i mean i think Like generally, obviously, the people that are going to come and see us know that that's going to be a thing. They they know that Touch Me Again is going to be like you know women, non-binary people, people of marginalized genders to the front, cis men get to the back, sort of like you know the audience definitely expects that. Um, One thing that Ren has talked about with this album is that she felt that she wanted to be less sanctimonious about a lot of things, so there's a sense of, like, fun. The, the album, obviously, is very political, but there's a sense of, like, fun around a lot of the messages as well, um, which I, I think shows, like, a real nice kind of, like, maturity and and, and sort of, like, um, how it's good to keep sort of, like, reflecting on our politics um, and how we sort of present them. Um, when we put up the video for... Baby, I had an abortion and I think there was one comment from some random person on YouTube that was like this is so sad I will pray for you <laughs> um, so yeah that just I mean that just kind of made me laugh more than anything because there's only like five comments on that video anyway but no generally I think people people yeah seem to be receiving it very well I think it's a, a lot of it is hitting a nerve people we had a lot of like really good sing-alongs in march especially to the abortion track um yeah i i just think people like want to go to a gig and sort of like scream their head off really get some of that frustration out good yeah it does feel and it's good to to scream on stage as well because personal best is not that kind of band (laughs) and then when i'm playing with patrick girls it's like oh my god i really can like shout my fucking head off (laughs) I can see why Ren is exhausted at the end of every gig. <laughs> but,
1: uh, so do you see a big difference in like the audiences then between personal best and petrol Girls like, or is there a bit of a crossover at times?
2: Definitely a crossover. Like I think when any kind of like small DIY band, there's always going to be that group of people that will, that will like go to any and all gigs within that like fairly wide scene. Um, yeah, personal best. I'd say we get more of the like indie crowd, definitely. With we, like in a lot of like the festivals or events that we've played, um, sort of straddle that genre a bit. So yeah, I'd say like yeah, personal best. We definitely get definitely get more of like an, what I would say is an indie crowd. But you know, most people aren't only into one genre of music these days, right? Because um, we have access to so much. So yeah, I think I think we we tend to get. They tend to get like a nice mix. Yeah.
0: You you it at the beginning then, um, Robin, about, you know, obviously personal best not being able to be particularly active, obviously with with things in the last couple of years as they were, and now you're joining a very active band. But mm. what, what were the plans? Like what, you know, personal best isn't isn't put to sleep just yet. It's still still knocking about always. What 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 would what would be a great um a great place to get to with that band, do you think in the future?
2: I think um yeah this is the thing like again with the the types of gigs that we get to play with petrol girls or you know on on that level where we get to play like very very nice venues and um get treated very nicely and personal best has been such an amazing band to to be in but we're very much like still just feel very entry level you know (laughs) it feels like a real slog especially when you're the band parents as well um and taking on all that responsibility so I think I almost like I I will always write songs I guess and I think I'm just trying to like completely not put any pressure on it I think if I was to write a new record I might just completely DIY it just completely record it all myself um and then send it maybe to somebody else with a good ear for mastering but I think I just really want to like get away from the idea that it's um, going to be anything other than just a creative fulfillment for myself and whatever, whatever end product ends up from that is fine. If people want to buy it from Bandcamp or whatever, but yeah, in terms of like doing huge album campaigns and like being on Twitter and having all this content, that, it's just not me. I just don't have the, I just don't have the energy or the like, um interest in doing that and I just don't think we're ever going to be one of those bands I'm never going to be one of those people that's like on the socials doing all that doing all that sort of stuff so yeah I'm just yeah it's it's um I'm just like I said just trying to trying to completely depressurize it and just make it what I want really and the people who like the music will probably check your fiver for your album
1: yeah
2: <laughs> and that's fine you know if it costs nothing to make. <laughs>
1: cool. So so Lou Hemman was in personal best with you, wasn't she?
2: Yeah. But you guys yeah, did in touch. Uh, yeah, what. oh yeah. Me and Lou go way, way, way back. Yeah. Um, so she we both lived in Bristol um for a lot of the same time before she moved to North America. Um, yeah, she was the first drummer. She like really loved the song straight away. Um, and I, again I was like a huge fan of Caves before Personal Best started as well. So we're still in touch and um, we've toured a lot together, spent a lot of time on the road together. Um, yeah. And I think we always will be in touch because she's awesome. So, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah absolutely. And I'm, I'm really interested in like personal bests uh, actual music. Cause I think there's been a, a bit of a, at least a subtle variation between the release mm. you, you did. And I thought the last release, which was kind of, it definitely had some elements of kind of classic rock in there didn't it it was um i mean the album cover was was a bit of a nod back to to the 80s the sound had a bit of a nod back to the 70s apart so i mean first of all um i guess it being it being your project you can kind of take it in any direction you want um and then if we're gonna i mean i'd love to kind of just get back right to the beginning but you know is that a big part of your um is it, you know, is this a big part of your music upbringing, that kind of, um, that sort of 70s classic rock sound?
2: Mm. Yeah, I was thinking about this when I was writing that album, actually. Excuse me. But like, yeah, a lot of what I listened to as a child, the first song I can ever remember singing along to is, uh, was a 10cc song, like my dad really loved 10cc. We had like, 10cc, we had a lot of Elton John, like like 70s era Elton John. Um and a lot of Paul Simon as well, which isn't a surprise because obviously huge albums in the 80s. So yeah, definitely, definitely a lot of classic rock going up, growing up. And I, I just thought it was kind of due for an update, but like maybe with but, so the tagline on the album is classic rock for tragic lesbians. Um that's on like the back of the the back of the LP, um, with that very epic picture and and, and artwork. So yeah, it, it was kind of like taking those those um those musical elements that have traditionally always been like very male dominated you know the sort of like yeah classic rock and all these dudes with guitars and and all that and yeah just trying to put like a bit of a queer lens on it and see what came out and uh yeah I'm really proud of that album yeah I um definitely want uh, yeah I definitely wanted that class I definitely had that classic rock record in me and I think I'll probably carry on in that in that vein, because it's really good fun.
1: <laughs> I just want to touch on what John mentioned uh, earlier about the you and the creative side and a lot of the creative outlet being in personal best and then taking more of a bit of a backseat in terms of petrol Girls, but also you know, being a, being creative as a, as a bassist. Do you feel that, you know, as time progresses, you probably want to like, inject more of your creativity, whether it's like songwriting or, you know... Um, more, more of your views beyond the basis within that sort of uh, environment
2: i think so i mean if it if it would be welcome again you, you don't like when especially when you're the newbie you don't want to overstep your mark or like not that i not that i think any of them would like be averse to it but bands do have quite a all bands have a very nuanced dynamic right and if you're the new person you don't want to like mess with that especially when it creates so much great great music um and yeah the the, the sort of The sound and songwriting, you know, Joe has a very, very kind of strong vision for that. Um, So, yeah, I think I would maybe need to feel a bit more like bedded in and a bit more confident before I was like, hey, you know, I wrote this thing, do you maybe want to hear it? But I I would love to. I would love to, I think. So no
1: no plans on not doing lead vocals at any time soon?
2: (laughs) no. I mean, I could not do what what renders. It's um, yeah, it's absolute madness. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, we'll see I, if I, if it ends up going that way, then cool. But I would love to, yeah, write write the bones of a song for them, or at least bring bring ideas to them or whatever. Maybe one day. I'm not ready we're, for we're that yet. We're not
0: going to see a, a classic rock. Picture <laughs> <by
2: that>. <laughs> you <laughs> know what? Because Z- Zoc loves classic rock as well. Um, and uh, yeah, anytime he like picks up the guitar to Noodle, he's just like busting out all these like, ACDC riffs. And yeah, he, he would love a classic rock Petrol Girls album. But I don't think Jen, um, Jen, I don't think Ren and Joe would go for it. <laughs> he's got his own band though. Have you, have you heard Zocks band, Dirty Talons? No, what are they
0: called?
2: Dirty Talons, no. as in like bird talons. They're fucking brilliant. Yeah, that's a classic rock band.
0: Oh, yeah, check check out. Out. He was in Aspie, wasn't
2: he? Yeah, he was.
0: Yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, I know. I have to check out. Um, I have to check that out. Thanks. So, I mean, so a good, a, a great mix of, um, weirdly, very similar, uh, similar stuff being played in my house. We I mean, were a similar age, I guess. But um, but some of those, yeah, Ten CC, Paul Simon, who, weirdly, I think I've said this before. I'm really vaguely related to, like, really, really distantly related.
2: No way. <laughs>
1: He's a love child. <laughs>
0: um, but I'm not sure how true that is Paul if you're listening get in touch um, but yeah Elton John huge Paul Summer, big 10cc as well big mm. um, so this is the sort of stuff that's, that's grabbing you and, and playing being played around the house what's the first mm. thing that you remember getting into yourself like outside of what your parents are listening to
2: so when I, I had my first guitar when I was 13, which was this acoustic tanglewood that's really nice, still have it. Um, the first album I remember like playing along to and trying to like, learn everything was um, Tuesday Night Music Club by Sheryl Crow, which I still think is a brilliant album. And then shortly after that, I discovered Green Day. Um, Dookie and Nimrod and then I was like yeah okay this is really cool and and those songs were so easy to pick up as well like just like just playing those really crap versions of of Green Day songs so yeah that was yeah I I had like a cool young uncle that was into loads of punk rock so of course you know you and then like because my older brother was into it so you know you obviously you look up to the to your big big siblings so I just kind of got into what they got into yeah.
1: And, and were you the only one playing instruments at the time or were other fan members?
2: No, my, my uncle, my cool uncle <laughs> was also a guitarist. And then my brother played drums as well. So we used to be in a band together when we were kids. It was great fun. And we were, I mean, we were terrible looking back, but <laughs> <laughs> What other stuff? Um, what other
0: stuff? So what year is this? We're talking what late nineties?
2: So 13. So I would have that was 1998.
0: Okay, and what yeah. stuff is your um your cool uncle and your older brother? What's other stuff are they introducing you to?
2: Um like slightly, I mean, I wouldn't say sounds silly to call it like heavier stuff in comparison to what's heavy, but um maybe stuff like Helmet, Wild Hearts, um, um Pearl Jam were one of the first sort of big, big bands that I saw when I was 15. Um yeah, and yeah, even like some like also that was like the beginning of new metal as well, and I wasn't fully a new metal fan, but yeah, like I'm not gonna pretend I'm it was too cool to like not like Linkin Park and a bit of biscuit. Like, <laughs> come on, <laughs> I was a te- I was a, I was 15 years old in the year 2000. Of course, I like new metal. <laughs>
0: And Whereabouts was um, this? Where where, were you, where did you grow up in Wales?
2: South Wales, yeah. So we would we were just just so the big venue for us was Newport. So like Newport, um, um, not a stadium, it's like the arena or whatever. Um, and then of and then Newport, obviously TJs being the big iconic venue there.
0: And are you are you aware of TJs? What, what when do you start to become aware of, of TJs and the stuff that's happening sort of more locally? What what age are you getting out there and not, you know, Pearl Jam is a big one. What's what's the sort of first maybe small DIY type thing that you start?
2: I went to TJ's when I was 15, underage, obviously, because they used to let everybody in underage, um, to see One Minute Silence, who were an Irish... Uh, oh, one there? Minute Silence, Irish, yeah, wow. Yeah, so that's going Irish back, hard, wow. Yeah, Irish hard <laughs> hardcore. I guess they were a bit New bands. I saw Funeral for a Friend in TJ's a few years after that, because um, it was like quite a an emerging new metal, post-new metal-y scene in South Wales, actually. So I saw a lot of, saw a lot of bands around that time. Yeah. So, I mean, so some of them so cringe looking back, but yeah, whatever. <laughs>
1: so what brought you to Bristol then?
2: Um, all my family moved over. Yeah, my family moved over there. Uh, my parents and my brother opened up a bar. And yeah, I followed shortly after, and I was doing a master's degree as well. So I was living there and... Yeah, literally, just was a, was just following my family really, um, but Bristol, I, I really dearly love it and I miss it as well because I live in West London now. So
0: when um, you're seeing you're seeing some of these bands, you're obviously playing because you've got your brother and you are, are in your your own little sort of thing going on. Um, what's the first time that you remember thinking, right, I'm going to sort of sit? My own band up and go and play these kind of gigs that I, I'm watching myself now. Mm. What's what's what was your first band?
2: So, Personal Best was was the first band I well, Personal Best was my first band, but Becca Falls was before that. Yeah. So, um, and I think that's the first time I met you was when we played together. Yeah, right. Um, I I feel like I was quite late coming to it actually. I don't know why I I didn't quite have the confidence to go from Bedford Falls to having my own band. But I think it was, I think probably actually meeting meeting Lou was maybe part of it. So I was like, oh here's somebody I think I could, you know, like do a thing with. Yeah, Bedford Falls was sort of in a that yeah, that Cardiff Newport scene. Um I just like uh, it's kind of boring to say at this point, but I just wasn't seeing anybody else like me around. Do you know what I mean? I didn't I didn't see many women around i didn't see many queer people around in bands at least so yeah again like just with so much i just felt like i came to it a bit late um and i wish i did i wish i started earlier i wish i had a, my own band from oh, God, I'm really a surprised. lot younger birth. yeah
0: i'm really surprised I, I think when i first saw you in bedford falls i assumed you were a seasoned pro i guess i i thought tom would have got you in because because you had done it, you know, and, and he knew what you was expecting. So, how, how did that come about? Do
2: you know what? I can't remember. I think um, I like honestly cannot remember how, when, or why I was asked to play bass. But also, to be honest, <laughs> I think I must have just become friends with Tom just from going to a lot of the same gigs. Um, but like, I genuinely cannot remember being asked and maybe it was like I I like filled in for something he he'll probably know
0: we'll get him him on (laughs) maybe you would never ask maybe you just turned up one day (laughs) yeah
2: maybe maybe I just maybe I just like I read a text message wrong and I just thought I was a member from (laughs) them um so yeah I, I don't remember don't remember actually joining that band but we did some really great things we toured in america that was amazing played fast that was also great were you
0: ever on an album did you ever record with them
2: yeah so um elegant balloons oh yeah yeah it's the one that and i've got one of my actually so i got one of my own songs on that one annabella so i think that gave me like a little that was like the bridge i guess because it was like playing with both Force, getting lots of experience meeting lots of people in the punk scene and then i had like my own Song on the album, as well as like writing all the bass lines and, and, and backing vocals and stuff. So I think that was the bridge to like give me the confidence to go out on my own. I just needed to like probably just meet some new people or meet some other women and stuff just to like find my people. So yeah.
1: And, and it's good now that obviously you know, you're there, you're making, making yourself in a scene and you make yourself visible for other young uh, queer people who you know can now look at you and think you know what it's been done I can do it you know yeah
2: yeah it's
0: quite damning that it there was just such a, a lack I mean thinking back to that that time when we were all started going to gigs you're right I mean it was such a rare thing um to just see a woman in a band um yeah if they were they were usually just the singer uh, yeah yeah and I mean obviously being you know a white male that just didn't it wasn't sort of, you know, making an impression. But for someone like you, I guess, you, who you didn't, you didn't even know that you could. It was, wasn't an option, perhaps. It wasn't sort of theirs. Rubbish, isn't yeah. it? Yeah,
2: I remember one tour we went on and it was like between us and all the support. So like, I imagine all the bands that we played with for like an entire tour, like a week or 10 days, two weeks or whatever. And I remember like, I did add up, like how many other women that we played with in any support band and i think it was like two three like a real yeah i remember all those gigs in like um you know those old, old days in um, Leeds and stuff it would be like the big punk old days, and yeah, just so few women doing stuff um i think it's massively changed though to be honest oh it's, like, awesome. it's yes yeah, it's, it's,
0: it's yeah way better now i mean it's a yeah topic. it's
2: almost it's almost like rare for it to be the other way around now is as as in it's rare that you go to well at least maybe the stuff that I'm going to see. It's rare to not have a relatively diverse lineup now. I find, which is good. Or maybe I'm just going to the right stuff.
1: Well, <laughs> or we went to that like Manchester Punk Festival a while back, and you know, looking at a lot of the bands there, that very diverse mix—not just yeah. the people on stage, but you know, the audience as well. Yeah, uh, which yeah, is always yeah, good totally. to
2: see. Yeah, absolutely. I
0: mean, we haven't quite got it right yet.
2: Yeah, no, of, of course, of course. But it is true, I think, that that idea of, like, visibility matters, it's kind of like a phrase that gets thrown around a lot, but it's so true. It really is. It really is.
0: What, what do you remember when you were... I mean, obviously, you're, you're seeing bands with, uh, when you're a teenager, when you start going kind to of this scene but you're obviously listening to stuff. There's a lot of stuff going on on this side of the... Um, you know, in the UK, but also, obviously, abroad as well. Like, what's... Um, what are you really into? Because I mean, obviously, you've, you've got you've mentioned bands like One Minute Silence. You've mentioned bands like Bedford Falls. They're you know hugely different to each other. Mm. You start personal best. So, what's the sort of stuff um after Green Day and and that sort of late '90s scene? <laughs> what, what do you get into that you're really like really in
2: love with? It's it's funny. Like I I went on a like when I was listening when I was writing the what you at the personal best record, I really got into a lot of Good seventies rock music. Have you heard the band Fanny?
0: No. <laughs> right. <they're
2: laughs> they. They. It, it's funny how they're framed in this way, but apparently they, they were David Bowie's favorite band. But um, they are this. Amazing, I know the name is so funny. Um, but they are this brilliant band of all women, and they just do this like sick kind of like riffy, um, Zeppelin-y rock, basically with really awesome lyrics they talk about loads of cool stuff in the 70s as well they're like massively way ahead of their time so yeah some, some maybe like more obscure 70s rock bands and then I got massively into Joan Alma Trading as well who I think is awesome so yeah and uh, yeah and, and like a lot of that 70s soft rock as well but to be honest now pretty much all I listen to now is soul music just like neo soul every all day at work I just listen to playlists of neo soul music I just want to get away from guitars i guess i very very rarely listen to guitar music apart from fucked up which is i'm on a bit of a fucked up thing at the moment
1: so who's big in a neo soul movement at the moment
2: (sighs) do you know what they're on these playlists and i don't catch what what they're called (laughs) (laughs) um i love like scissor i always i always listen to erica badu at some point during the week um i suppose she's not new right she's been around for donkeys um yeah, and I like a lot of like a lot of like modern pop as well, like the NAS, the, the um the Little Nas X album is great.
0: Could this be the next personal best direction, do you think?
2: Mm, I don't know, like
1: or if you're brave enough, pet you girls.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I like the idea of doing like a kind of a lo fi album in that vein, but I don't know. I don't know. What about
0: like when you when you were growing up? What about like I mean, obviously the, the sort of fat, the epi-fat scene in that kind of early 2000s and stuff. Did you get into that sort of act? Was, was Green Day a bit of a gateway band or did you just bypass that?
2: I, I like, I mean, I really liked Green Day just because I thought they're, they're just a pop band, basically. And I really love pop music. But no, I didn't go super into like um, that kind of like no effects, skate punk thing. I, I kind of hate a lot of that stuff, to be honest. Um, it just makes, it just, I just find it so like growy. Um, and I never went as, as far as like propaganda and stuff like that, although I really rate them. Um, yeah, I never, I don't know. No, not for me.
0: Not for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you think when you were kind of in going to gigs and involved in the scene, do you think it was more about the, the social side as much as the sort of music that was being played?
2: Yeah, it just, it was uh, like where I lived in Newport where I was going to all these gigs um, in TJ's and La Pub. Like, I I mean, I lived literally just up the road and it was just such a part of our, like, household's, like, lifestyle. We'd be going to gigs, like, two, three, four nights a week pretty much and seeing the same people there. So, yeah, definitely, like, socialising a huge part of it. But, um, yeah, I do feel a bit old for it all now, to be honest. I thought of going to, like, a a three-band gig, right?
0: Dave and I just so went just... to a three-day festival. Um, oh, God. I'm still, I'm still recovering.
2: <laughs> yeah. And, and it's funny, though, because you do have that, that you have that strata of friends that are just like gig friends, right? You only ever see them at gigs. I kind of I miss all my gig friends because I haven't seen them in so long because of the pandemic. There we go. Did you
1: and your uncle ever go to gigs together?
2: Yes, yeah. So it was like me, my brother, my uncle, and then our, like, a few other sort of, like, friends around that like we all like basically lived together at one point as well so yeah he he, he's like so he's my mum's youngest brother he's literally only a few years older than my older brother so he was basically like an older brother to me pretty much
1: that's pretty cool that's great he was he was
2: a very he was a very very cool uncle
1: on this podcast we actually heard of a few cool uncles like the the french (laughs) uncle with the mohawk and (laughs) sometimes you need that right you need that um Someone to
0: kind of be the gateway, to take you to the gate, to lead you through the gate. Um,
2: yeah.
0: It's not always just that easy, easy to find. And what was, um, go on there? I guess of all the bands that you saw growing up, what was the one that made the biggest impression? What's the one that you remember the most, that was the best gig?
2: I can't remember the, the, the year that I first saw PJ Harvey, but I think probably that was quite a big one. Um, but because also she has a lot of mystique as well, which I find because I could never have mystique myself. So to see, <laughs> to see an artist with mystique is like really fascinating, I think. Um, and to have like a very, what I would say, like quite a controlled public image as well. And and she seems like, yeah, very much in control of how she is presented, things that she puts out, her artistry. Um, I think is like, yeah, really fascinating, really interesting. Well,
0: uh, but been.
2: yeah, yeah. But in, in terms of like, her music, I, I don't think I could write in the this, this sort of same way that she does. But um, so I don't think she's like an influence on me in that way. But I just really like that whole sort of like artistic package that she's got going on where her entire aesthetic will be like related to what her musical project is and all that sort of stuff. So it's very um, kind of joined up. And I think that's kind of cool.
0: I think you sort of did that a bit. I mean, with that with that last personal best album.
2: Yeah, um,
0: you know, with with the cover which i mean did it take much did was that your idea did it take much to kind of um i mean it felt it felt maybe a bit brave to do that if that's the right word
2: yeah um all of the aesthetic um vision for that was to my partner jen i i i'm like really quite lost with that sort of stuff if it was up to me it would just be like i don't know a picture of a cat <laughs> on the album cover <laughs> um and no she she really um brought the vision together to like take it further and like yeah I guess join up those dots and, and I have the aesthetics to matching and, and make sense across the whole project um so it was her idea she did the photography for it did all the photo editing all of the album layout did the video for love letter like completely just devised everything and just sort of told me where to stand and what to do so yeah it's really I mean, cool. I mean it looks yeah.
0: it looks great how thank did you, you how did you feel like <laughs> like putting yourself kind of front and center in that way.
2: Um yeah, it was a, it was a it felt it did feel a bit weird at first, but I think it made total sense for the sort of concept of the album. Um in terms of the actual album cover with that pose, I mean I had a bad back by the end of that day. It <laughs> so, because it was, it was there's so many elements that needed to come together to then make that photo work cuz you got the hair flip, you needed the guitar to be in the right position. I was wearing this light, I was basically topless. So I had to like make sure I wasn't like flashing any nipple. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of outtakes <laughs> that we'll never see the light of day. Um, so yeah, there was, there was actually a lot of really difficult things that had to come together to make that shot work. Um, and I think the actual um, finished one is like maybe a bit of a composite perhaps, um, so. Yeah, but it, I'm so happy with with how it turned it's, out. It's such a cool. We, we na- I, think I think we nailed it.
0: It's like nothing else that was around in this scene. Yeah, I mean, it looked like a proper mainstream album because it was. Yeah, just like it was, on yeah.
2: That was definitely the idea. I think, like, yeah, I, I guess we wanted to get away from like, um, yeah, just like a lot of the samey kind of like punk aesthetic that you get, you know where it's, like, not cool to, like, be seen to be making an effort and that sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? Or, like, it's, like, uh, considered cooler to, like, not care too much about what you look like or trying to make things or to put effort into, like, that sort of aesthetic vision. So I guess we went completely the opposite way where everything was very um, considered.
1: You know what? Punk spend a lot of time trying to not look cool. (laughs)
2: Exactly. Exactly. Here I am. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think because it's seen as almost frivolous right mm. um so yeah i guess fuck that, fuck that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it was the most popular thing to do i mean and talk about <laughs> another, another personal best um moment if you like on, on the album before the song um this is what we look like yeah um i think it has had such a well at the time it had such a big react a really gr- great reaction um, I mean I'd say maybe depressingly so because um, <laughs> no you know what I mean it was it was yeah. it's a, first of all, it's a fucking brilliant song um, but obviously the message behind it was what got such a positive reaction which um, mm. which is great but also sad that we sort of need it what was your um, h- how did you feel like sort of almost having a bit of a um, an anthem for, for for what I guess you had experience with talking about when you, when you were younger without those role models how did you feel yeah. putting something like that out
2: um it's funny because that song was so throwaway. when i wrote it it was like the last one i wrote the record i was like oh i can't put a record with nine songs <laughs> or whatever it is <laughs> ten it's got to have 10 or 11 so it really was like thrown together and i think that's maybe what has made it quite good and, and natural because i wasn't overthinking it i guess um and yeah it's still it still shows up I, people send me like clips of like i don't know random playlists where people have put it on something and people send me videos of like this is the first song I learned to play on guitar and real like oh, that's awesome. just like yeah it is it's really wonderful um and like yeah after a tour we'll always get messages from from people from queer people saying like thank you for like playing that song and like really touched like you know touched a nerve and all this which is yeah it's great um sorry, what was the question? Oh no, that's <laughs> the question. That's fantastic.
0: It's such such a great yeah. um it's a it's a I mean, sometimes those simple songs, like you say, because you don't overthink them. I mean, I remember I think Paul Weller talks about that's entertainment just being a sort of two-minute jam that he had and it just sort of all came together. Sometimes yeah. those ones that you don't think about, but it's obviously it struck a chord. Um yeah, absolutely. I think the message helped, didn't it? So
2: yeah, fully. I I think I mean I think there's about there's like about three, three or four lyrics in it. The, the verses are just the same thing twice. The choruses are the same thing twice. Uh, yeah, I again like just probably lazy on my part. So, like, what am I going to do for the second verse? <laughs> just repeat the first. I mean, you cannot get any, any, any more basic than that. But it's it's fine. I I I, I do a slightly different melody in the second verse, at least.
0: It's kind of not not depressing, but like. Uh, as you know as an artist when you kind of mm. put your heart and soul into a song <laughs> and then um everyone's like oh yeah that, that that other song and you're like no 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 what about <laughs> <laughs> <it>? yeah <laughs> the, but did you not like the, the thing i did in that third verse no, yeah. no, no, no. what about the break what about that
1: no no one you know. cares
2: about all that shit you just they, people just want something they can sing along to yeah. like, that's 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 great that's great they
1: can resonate to it and it catches them in any kind of way
2: brilliant <laughs> exactly exactly
0: no it's brilliant it's, it's such an anthem i think it, um thank you and it's uh, as i think yeah i think it. actually if anything the simplicity works for it if there's anything if it was trying to be too clever i think it probably wouldn't um wouldn't have the same impact so um that's great and fantastic to hear that people sort of still um can you know find um find it and you know obviously take take what they can from it so yeah that's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant legacy to leave behind.
2: Um, yeah, fully.
0: We, we always ask before we sort of wrap up. Um, it doesn't have to be a band you've mentioned already. It can be others. But we always try and find out if you had to name one favourite
1: band or artist of all time.
2: R.E.M. Oh, Cool that, was, that,
1: that was, sorry, it was game over right, and that was a punk Rock academy podcast <laughs> <laughs> well, what I, are um, e. talking?
2: I love murmur a lot actually i love murmur I've, I've got like my my sort of like little daily rem playlist that i listen to uh, that has just like a whole mix but um yeah i'm gonna be one of those people and say the the early stuff i like the early stuff <laughs> And
1: what a great chat that was, John. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing the new uh, release from the Petrol Girls. Got two singles out already, but a new album due out in a couple of weeks. So should be a good listen. What do you reckon?
0: Oh, God, the, the, the two tracks are incredible. I mean, they're such a great band. They're doing something so different. Um, But you've got to see them live. They're just such a great live band. Brilliant shout. I don't know if it'll make the kind of final cut, but at some point there, Robin and I, I think, made plans for dinner at some stage. That'd be nice. But um. Maybe that's what I'm more excited about, either the Petrogirls Girls album or Hanging Out with Rogan for Tea. But either way, um, I enjoyed myself. I hope you enjoyed the listen. Thank you, as always, for giving us a listen. Um, If you like this episode, there are others. Um, You can find us on the web. uh, And we hope to see you soon. Bye. Come on, the Hammers.
2: Hi, I'm Robin from Petro Girls and Personal Best and you've been listening to the Punk Rock Academy podcast.